Welcome to MCC from the Capitol, a podcast by the Missouri Catholic Conference. In this episode, Catholic Teaching and the Death Penalty. The heart of the matter is, do we believe in the dignity of the human person? And it's easy to believe in the dignity of the human person when everything's great. The challenge is to believe in the dignity of the human person when they've made mistakes, when there's chaos involved, when there's death involved, when there's tragedy involved. That doesn't take away the dignity of the human person. That's, I think, the challenge that we're facing. We invite you to listen along as our host, Curtis Wickmer, sits down with Bishop Edward Rice to discuss public policy issues from a Catholic perspective. We hope you enjoy this episode of MCC from the Capitol. Hello and welcome to MCC from the Capitol, the official podcast of Missouri Catholic Conference, where we discuss topics ranging from Missouri legislation to specific matters of Catholic morality. I'm Curtis Wickmer, legislative analyst and lobbyist with the Missouri Catholic Conference, and today we're joined by Bishop Edward Rice of the Springfield Cape Girardeau Diocese to discuss Catholic teaching on the death penalty. Bishop, thank you for coming here today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. Always good. Always happy to to talk to you about uh, matters of faith and Catholic teaching. I guess I'd like to start things off by asking you to briefly summarize the Catholic Church's official stance on the death penalty. After all, I think you're much better suited than I am to describe uh, official church teaching. Well, you know, and it's interesting that you would say the official Catholic Church teaching because in 2018, that official Catholic Church teaching was sort of revised, that it had been actually formally changed in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, calling capital punishment an attack on the inviolability and the dignity of the person and deemed it inadmissible in all cases. Now, that's a new addition from since 2018. Prior to that, the church uh, did hold out the possibility, you know. So um, at this point, the catechism was revised to unambiguously oppose Catholic punishment. And I think that kind of made people step back and look at the whole issue again, you know. Yeah, and I think, too, the recency of this change in official church teaching has made many people uh, somewhat confused. It's made it a very contentious issue among lay Catholics in particular. Yeah. I'm aware many Catholics have difficulty reconciling the church's current stance on capital punishment, given the fact that in past centuries it was supported by the Catholic Church. Right. Now, as those familiar with the history of American law might already know, uh, at one point the U.S. Supreme Court banned capital punishment within the United States among many of their justifications why they cited evolving standards of decency. Yeah. The idea that as society becomes more affluent and secure, the death penalty moves from a position of necessity to a non-necessity. And likewise, the status as a non-necessity makes it impermissible. Would you say that Catholic teaching on capital punishment follows a similar logic to this? Actually, very much so. You know, uh, Cardinal Newman did a lot of work on what he called the development of doctrine. You know, what you had just said on the secular point of view, it certainly applied to the church that over the centuries... The doctrine has more details that can affect the doctrine and to intensify the doctrine in this sense. And so it's almost like there's this progression going to this new reality and expressing that it's just we're opposed to it. We can no longer support it. So just as you decided with our government, I think the church has gotten to that point as well. 
And, and I find it too very interesting how almost every time the capital punishment is referenced within church teachings or even individual statements by the popes, whether that's within the past century or in the more distant past, they almost always refer to it in terms of its necessity or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have blessed Pope Pius IX, you know, the last pope to conduct an execution within the papal states. When the prisoner was requesting clemency, the pope said that not only would he not grant it, it, it was necessary that he would be executed. Right. I think that you know, the, the level of security in the 1800s versus nowadays and our justice system's capacity to keep prisoners incarcerated for life without parole certainly would make it less of a necessity that, or, well, a non-necessity that executions are carried out. Yeah, we have this, we have the history of the church, and we have to be honest and say, you know, it's sort of a mixed bag in many regards, that you have some saints, I think St. Ambrose was against it, St. Augustine saw the need for it, uh, all the way up to current opinions, but there is this evolution of the understanding of the whole doctrine, and, you know, some of the popes, some of the um, bishops in different areas, they would not make a pronouncement on it. They would just leave it up to the secular authorities to take care of it, you know. And in that way, they kind of did not give credence to capital punishment, but nor did they see it maybe that it was uh, their role to not have it. But I think you're right. With the level of incarcerations these days and our ability for security, it's pretty much gotten to the point where it's it's inadmissible. We have other ways of dealing with people that break the law, you know? Yeah. And I think too, a lot of the past justification for the death penalty kind of comes down to like a principle of double effect, like Catholic teaching on double effect. Like for example, you know, we have writers like St. Thomas Aquinas who has written guidelines for what would justify an assassination of someone. And, you know, certainly killing another human being itself is an inherent wrongness. But when we look through the lens of Catholic double effect, like say self-defense, killing someone who's attacking you actively. Uh, If you kill them in self-defense, you look through the lens of the principle of double effect. Was killing this person who was attacking you the only option you had to protect yourself or protect others? Was there any other option that was non-lethal that you could have taken? And is this positive effect that occurs of a greater weight than the negative effect that occurs? Yeah. But when we're able to, you can make that argument theoretically in the past when it was less secure to confine prisoners who were openly dangerous, that this principle of double effect could apply if you were not able to confine a prisoner. But I think now that we have very tight security in our prisons, and when you arrest a prisoner, you can confine them indefinitely, the principle of double effect can't necessarily occur because you already have this option, this non-lethal option that you can choose. You know, whenever you talk to people about capital punishment, you always have the pros and the cons. What about this? What about that? You know, what about retribution? What about justice? And those are all things to be considered. But for the Catholic, if we believe in the gospel of life, we have to get down to this basic principle about the human person, that we're made in the image and the likeness of God. And either we believe that or we don't believe that. And the thing is, it's easy to believe that when everything's good. The challenge is to believe in the dignity 
of the human person, that they're made in the image and the likeness of God, when they do horrific things, when they kill people, that's when that teaching has to really come to fore and to really believe in that at that moment. The other moments is easy. Sure, I believe in the dignity of the human person. Oh, but until they kill somebody or they've committed a crime. No, that's when that teaching comes to play all the more. So it's easy to talk about it in theory. The challenge is when it becomes real, you know, and to highlight those particular principles. Yeah. Now, I have heard some statements by people who are in favor of the death penalty, who are Catholic, who would say that that by executing a prisoner, it is honoring the dignity of the human life yeah. by providing an, you know, a one-for-one one punishment for the taking of another person's life. I think that it's easy to get lost when you're in you know, the fight against the death penalty to put all the focus on the perpetrator of the crime. I, I think it is important to give respect, condolences, and help the victim's family in any way you can. And that would be consistent with this idea that all life is equal and all life has its inherent dignity. Yeah, you know, uh, certainly. And plus, we're people of the New Testament, the New Covenant. We're called to highlight the gospel of life. If you want those arguments, they're in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, you know, whatever it might be. But, you know, you go all the way back to Cain and Abel. You know, Cain killed Abel. God was merciful to Cain. The very first experience of murder, you go back to the book of Genesis, God was merciful to Cain. Cain killed Abel. You think, okay, strict justice would demand it. You don't find that with him. In fact, he's given a mark, whatever that means, so that people would not kill him. Now, he had to carry that guilt with him for the rest of his life, and maybe that's part of the punishment that might be even worse, you know, the confinement or the, the guilt that somebody carries when they're uh, in prison. But I think if you want to move to the New Testament, we're called to be people of life, this consistent ethic of life, from conception to natural death, upholding the sanctity of the human person. It can't be diminished. John Paul said that in his document in 1995. It is an indivisible good. We need them to show care for all life and for the life of everyone. And so the death penalty violates this consistent ethic and does not conform to our pro-life teaching. And I think, too, when we're discussing mercy when it comes to the death penalty, the most important part of applying mercy to these prisoners isn't even necessarily whether or not an execution occurs, but in particular, you know, every human being, no matter what time they die, their time on earth is it's finite. And I think given the gravity of the offenses that these prisoners and uh, I mean, everyone on death row is a murderer. So given the gravity of these crimes that the murderer has committed, we're looking from mercy. It's important to give them as much time as possible, like you said, to atone for their sins, feel you know the guilt for what they have done and uh, try and make things as right as they can. Sure. Everybody has, you know, you're upholding the possibility of conversion to that person to the very end. You know, and it's a very personal thing that's between that person and God. But we have to believe that the blood of Christ was shed for all people, even that most horrific murderer. We believe that it's that the blood of Christ was shed for him and therefore give him the opportunity. You know, now you had just mentioned that, uh, you know, every person on death row is guilty, but we don't really know that. You know, there have been times when 
you know, there've been further investigations. They were found that people were innocent and like with new DNA possibilities, we can find that actually somebody that was put on death row, even somebody that was executed after the fact was found innocent. How do you fix that situation when they've already been executed? You know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of concerns there. You know, our criminal justice system is not perfect, you know, and I think it was in 2014, they said up to 4% of those who have been executed were later found innocent. Now you're thinking 4%, that's not a big deal. Unless you're one of that 4%, then it's a big deal. Or you're their mother or their father, or your family member, then it's a big deal. You know, you said, well, that 4%, that's not so bad. Given but, from my study of statistics, I can tell you 4% can be a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's just beyond the dignity of the human person and the invitation that God calls us to conversion. You know, there's a sign sometimes when we have protests for an execution, we don't want to, when we're trying to stop the execution. The last time I was protesting, we were holding signs of for the person that was going to be executed and we're marching around uh, downtown square there in Springfield. And one of the signs says, don't kill in my name. And I think, you know, that's, I don't want people killing. I don't want the state killing. I don't want there to be a law that says you can do that in my name. I don't want that, you know? And I think that's what, maybe there's an overreach in the state to say that, yeah, you can go ahead and do that in the name of all the people of our state. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I think this is my my personal view, but I, I think it, it does set a dangerous precedent to give the state that degree of power. My knowledge of uh, history, both world history and uh, history of the Catholic Church would indicate that oftentimes the interests of the state run completely opposite to the interests of the Catholic Church. And I would be more comfortable if the entity that's pointed in an opposite direction than my most deeply held religious beliefs doesn't have that level of control. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We really want the state to execute somebody in the name of all the people of the state. I don't think you could get a clear picture of that, you know. And again, let's make it more more real. What if the person on death row was your son or daughter or your relative? You know, it's all theory until it becomes real. Now, I had an experience of one of the recent executions was uh, a man who had killed, shot and killed a police officer in uh, Webster or Kirkwood, wherever it was down up in St. Louis. That was the Kevin Johnson execution? Yeah, and the the uh, the man that he killed was a police officer. You know, I come from a family of police officers, three of my brothers, and uh, the guy that the police officer was killed, his brother is married to my cousin. And when they were up for the execution, you know, the bishops of the state of Missouri said uh, we were coming out against it. And I called them just to let them know. We had a beautiful conversation. And so this is the brother of the guy that was killed. And he said, Executing this guy is not going to bring my brother back. And it's not going to bring any peace because, you know, my brother's gone. He did say, we're going to let the state do what the state does, you know. But it wasn't going to bring any, it wasn't going to bring his brother back. And he even said that if we're pro-life, then we need to be pro-life, which I thought was very insightful. This is the brother of the police officer that was killed. You know, and so if we're going to have a consistent ethic of life, respect for life, 
there's no one particular point where we can say, well, except for this case or except for this case or except for that case. No, either we're pro-life or we're not pro-life, you know, from conception to natural death. We're trying to uphold the sanctity of human life. And again, I've had conversations with my own siblings who are police officers and not that long ago talking about it. And uh, it's a joke, I think, to consider capital punishment a deterrent for crime. It's not deterring anybody, yeah. you know, in the heat of the moment, they're not thinking, oh, I'm going to stop because I might kill somebody and have cap. So I'm not going to commit this crime. That doesn't happen. That's not the thinking process of somebody who's going to commit a crime. So it's not a deterrent. Yeah. There have also been studies, too, studying the effect that having a capital punishment has on deterring crime, whether or not it does. Though the Supreme Court ban on capital punishment only lasted a few years, it did give us a good standpoint to study whether having death penalty or not having death penalty affected murder rate. For example, a study from the Journal of Criminology and Public Policy, I believe it was by Stephen Oliphant. There was no effect whatsoever on the rate of murders, whether there was capital punishment or no capital punishment. So from the bare minimum, there's no deterrent factor. Yeah, yeah. We talk in criminal justice of having four outcomes, four, four goals for criminal justice systems. Uh, and those include deterrence, which is preventing other crimes from occurring, incapacitation, which is preventing that specific prisoner from committing a crime, rehabilitation, which is trying to set aright that person's life or potentially reintegrate them into society, and then also retribution, punishment for crimes. And so when the ability to confine a prisoner indefinitely with no risk to the public exists, that takes care of your incapacitation. And then we see these studies that say there's no effect on deterrence, uh, whether or not you have the death penalty. All that leaves is rehabilitation and retribution. And well, rehabilitation, for security reasons, we have these prisoners stay life without parole. And then there is only retribution, which serves no purpose other than societal vengeance on someone who's committed yeah. a wrong. And, you know, e even with that, does that bring peace to the people who lost their loved one? It doesn't bring the person back, you know. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors to be considered in that regard. And those those are good points to consider. You know, I was given a talk the other day about what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to be an intentional disciple? And in my own understanding of being an intentional disciple, you make that conscious choice to align your life with the life of Jesus in his thoughts, his words, and his actions. And then you have to suffer the consequences, you know, and part of it might be, you know what, I've come to understand that if I'm really going to be an intentional follower of Christ, I can't support capital punishment. And that will put you at odds with other people. You know, that's just the reality of it, because people think that's the quick fix solution. They killed. So let's kill. So tell people not to kill. What's the logic in that? You know, wouldn't it be more powerful to say this person killed? Let's give them the opportunity to rehabilitate or give them the opportunity for conversion, a spiritual conversion, and then, you know, restoration to tell them that it's not good to kill. But to kill somebody because they killed with the purpose of telling them you're not supposed to kill, that's just a downward cycle of illogic. It's a self-defeating argument. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, in, in the end, you're not really accomplishing what you want to accomplish. You know, so, yeah, there's a lot of different difficulties in, in the whole issue. 
Uh, and, and to say nothing of the fact, too, that who is it that gets it? You know, it's predominantly, you know, those of different races, you know, uh, blacks and Hispanics. They don't have the money. They got a good lawyer. They're at the mercy of a public defender. And so because of that, you know, they're more prone to be on death row. Well, where's the justice in all of that? You know, uh, the cost of it all. It's an exorbitant amount than opposed to non-capital cases. So there's so many factors that could uh, be discussed. It's such a broad topic in one sense. The result of it is not. It's pretty clear you're killing somebody, but uh, all the different issues surrounding it, very lots of tentacles in, in the whole discussion. You know, does it bring healing to the victims' families? You know, it, I'm sure it doesn't. It doesn't call us to be the best in society either. Is this the best we can do? Can't we be better than this? Shouldn't we have a higher goal in our culture? And especially when we're called to care for the least in our society, you know, those who are on the fringe of society. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult situation to talk about, but it's pretty clear cut that executing doesn't serve the purpose for which we execute to make us safer. I don't think we're safer. I also think, too, that if we are trying to tread this best path in society, I think by definition, treading the best path would mean it's inherently going to be quite difficult. And oftentimes that difficulty can be forgiving someone who's committed a crime and offering them mercy, even when they desperately need it. It can be a difficult choice, but the right one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and to say nothing either, what about the whole issue of mental health? You know, that so many of these uh, these people that committed these crimes, that they were in a state of uh, distress or they didn't have clear mental health and there were issues. And certainly that's a, a factor that's considered. And probably I would I wouldn't be surprised if there is a predominance of of mental health issues on death row, you know. So there's so many factors. It's not as clear cut as people say when they say, well, they killed and so they should be executed. And I say, when you make it personal, you realize, would I want this for my own, God forbid, if somebody in my family were to be in that situation, you know? And again, I use the example of my cousin's uh, brother-in-law that was killed. He was a policeman and his brother said, this isn't gonna bring peace to my family. You know, my brother's still gonna be gone. We're not getting in the way. We're not asking the state to stop, but this isn't going to make any difference in my family, you know? Yeah, it's true. Well, I don't have any additional questions. Um, is there any anything else you'd like to say on the matter, Bishop? Well, you know, I, I just think um, it's a tough teaching. It really is. It's a difficult teaching. But following the gospel isn't easy. We're called to be people of life. And because we're people of life, we believe in the inherent dignity of the human person. And there's nothing, even in the worst of circumstances and situations, that can take away the dignity of the human person. And especially when they haven't recognized the dignity of somebody else and they've committed a crime. That's when our teaching has to come into play. And I think uh, those of the Catholic faith who disagree with the teachings of the church, I would just ask them to, to pray about it and be open in their hearts to this teachings of the church because I think it, it has uh, far-reaching consequences in our culture when we say, well, we don't want you to kill, 
So we're going to execute you because you killed somebody to teach everybody else not to kill. It just, it's not logical. And listen, thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you, Bishop, for chatting with us. I always think it's very, uh, very wonderful when we can get uh, those who are higher up in our church hierarchy to um, really get down to brass tacks uh, on a a one-on-one basis here. And Thank you. Dive deep into these issues. Thank you. So thank you, Bishop, for coming. And uh, thank you for listening to the Missouri Catholic Conference podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of MCC from the Capitol. To hear more from the Missouri Catholic Conference, visit our website at mocatholic.org. That's mocatholic.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app.